1 Samuel 3. Of course, we've been in a <clears throat> several weeks now looking at uh, the first couple chapters of 1 Samuel as we're uh, kind of laying a foundation for our study in the Kings. And um, we've kind of seen the, how the Lord worked and bringing Samuel uh, into the world and, and how the Lord used his godly parents in that way. And uh, now he's uh, ministering before the Lord in the, the tabernacle at Shiloh. We looked last week at Eli's family and uh, the, the wickedness of his sons and some of that. We get into chapter 3 this morning. And we're going to go ahead and, and just kind of walk through this as we read. Verse number 1, it says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And so there's uh, a few things that we need to uh, just kind of highlight and mention there about that. First of all, notice those, those first words in the chapter. It says that Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Isn't it interesting that when we look at that, uh, here he was, even as a small child, uh, serving in the tabernacle. It would have probably been easy for him to, even in his mind, have the idea that he was really ministering to Eli, the priest, because that's how his service manifested itself, right? It was in doing the things that Eli had him do and helping out with the daily tasks around the house of the Lord, but the Bible specifically says that his ministry was unto the Lord, and I think that's an important thing for us to remember, that all, all the things that we do, maybe they're even menial tasks. I know we've got some uh, in this room who one of the ministries you're involved in is just uh, cleaning around the building here, or maybe you're uh, involved in some of the maintenance and grounds keeping, or maybe you serve in the nursery, or whatever the case might be, and sometimes it's easy to kind of get this idea, okay, I'm doing this because it has to get done, and so out of obligation, I'm going to do this so that the work of the Lord can go forward. But even those things in the Lord's economy are serving Him. That's what we're doing. We're serving the Lord. Samuel was ministering unto the Lord. As a boy, he ministered unto the Lord. He served before Eli, but his service was unto the Lord. As Christian servants, our focus should be both horizontal toward people and vertical upward toward God. There are some ministries that I've been involved in over the years, and you probably have as well, that it's easy to maybe get a little bit frustrated or irritated. Or um, I mean, there are ministries that I don't personally enjoy being involved in, but we need to remember we serve God by serving other people. And, uh, and that's sometimes, you know, it's easy to say, okay, I want to please the Lord. I want to serve him because he's, you know, it's easy to want to please God, right? He's always good and he blesses us and it's easy to love him and want to serve him. But the problem is sometimes in order to serve him, we have to minister to people that are a little bit harder to minister to, you know, but that's our, that's the avenue by which we serve God. We serve him by serving others. And so Samuel ministered unto the Lord, but it says that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Samuel's service to the Lord was during a spiritually dark time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, heard, I'm sure you have, heard 
the, the, the verse in Proverbs that says, um, you know, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And, and I've heard some people preach that as though, you know, we need to have a, a vision for reaching the lost. We need to have a vision for this mission field or, or and, you know, a strategy, a plan, a, a, a way to... But that's actually not what, what the Bible is talking about when it says there was no open vision. Uh, if, where there is no vision, the people perish. That has to do with revelation. It has to do with God speaking. And Samuel was, was ministering at a time when God was not actively speaking. There really weren't prophets that were active in Israel. There was no uh, open vision. And so it was a spiritually dark time. And, and again, you remember, this is at the end of the period of the Judges. Read through the book of Judges. You'll find in that book some of the strangest, most bizarre uh, occurrences that happened in Old Testament history uh, and, and just wickedness and even gruesomeness and there's just kind of a, you, you get the sense that there wasn't a lot of morality during that time. There was no real leadership and so it was a spiritually dark time and so the, Lord, the word of the Lord was precious because it was rare. God was not speaking at least in a continual basis. So the Bible says that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. And I would say to us that even though there is to some degree open vision today in the sense that we have the, the, the revelation of God to man readily available to us, we need to always maintain the understanding that the word of the Lord is precious. It needs to matter to us. It needs to be of value to us because it's one of those things if we didn't have it, we would be in a world of hurt. We're very comfortable with what we have, and we often don't think about the value of uh, having the word of the Lord. But when it wasn't there, and for the people who uh, live in that reality where they don't have the word of God, uh, it is a, 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 a dark, a spiritually dark place to be. And that was where Samuel was ministering. There was no open vision. And... Um, uh, You'll also notice the note there, prophets were once called seers. We, we see that in 1 Samuel 9, 9, we won't look at that. But, but why were they called seers? Because they spoke what God had showed them. They spoke what they saw. And in Samuel's day, there was no one seeing. There was, there was little revelation. There wasn't, um, God wasn't just openly revealing his will. And so this was a spiritually dark time, and yet Samuel still was able to minister during, to the Lord. And that's an important thing to consider as well, because sometimes I think we get this idea that, you know, if, if times get really hard in our nation, if, if persecution comes, I, I saw an article the other day, I didn't read the whole thing, but I, I, I read a little bit of it, and I read the, the, the headline on it, and it was that within, and I forget the number of years, but a short number of years, the expectation is that Christianity will become a minority religion even in the United States. It's in such decline. And folks, I think we are all aware that we are headed towards spiritual, we're in spiritual decline in our nation. And, and it, we sometimes get this idea that if and when a time comes that we are in total spiritual darkness as a nation, that, that you know, that's kind of the end of it. Well, that's really when our light should be shining the brightest. 
And we can continue to minister to the Lord and serve the Lord regardless of what the world looks like at the time. And that was what Samuel was doing. He was ministering to the Lord even at that time. And then we read that God begins to call Samuel. Uh, look at verse number 2. It came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. So they were in bed, laying, laying down to sleep, and the, ark, the, the lamp of the Lord, um, it's probably referring to that golden candlestick that would have been in the tabernacle there. Uh, had, it, 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 was, it was going out, and, but before it went out, uh, the Lord called unto Samuel. And he, he says here in the notes that we can't be certain if it was an audible voice or just a, a clear calling in his heart and his mind. But it is, I think, of note to us that when Samuel heard the Lord calling, whether it be in his ears or in his heart, it seemed to him as if it was his ears because he assumed it was Eli. Uh, Samuel, Samuel, and he answered, here am I. And so Samuel answered with that readiness, that willingness, uh, even... Uh, it, when he assumed it was Eli calling him, he simply said, here am I. I'm, I'm ready, I'm available, and I'm willing. There's something to that. I think it's important for you to always be, and for me to always be in a state where we're ready to respond when there's an opportunity for service. Here am I. I I'm, I'm ready and willing and available. And, uh, and so, uh, number three there, Eli assuring Samuel was, uh, it was not him sent him back to bed. We read in verse number 5, He ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. So we have a, a really interesting situation there. God called Samuel again, and Eli sent him back, and this happened a few times. And yet, Samuel didn't know the voice of the Lord. The Bible specifically says that he did not yet know the Lord. He was a young man. And, and that's also an important thing. There's a couple of things that we need to point out about that. First of all, it is possible to be busy about the service of the Lord and yet not know the Lord. And there are people that are uh, busy serving in churches and, and things of that nature, but they don't personally, they're not saved. They don't know the Lord. They don't have that personal relationship with Him. And, and so that's an important thing to consider. Secondly, I think it's important for us to consider that even a child who's being raised around the things of the Lord, 
and from a very early age believes in his mind the things of God. He believes and accepts as truth what he has been taught. That does not equate to knowing the Lord. That doesn't, just because someone is raised around the truth of the word of God and just because someone has a mental acceptance of the fact of, of, of the truth of God does not mean that they have really believed. It doesn't mean that they're really a child of God. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord, even though he was busy ministering. And so, the Lord called Samuel the third time. This time Eli perceived that Samuel was hearing the Lord's call. And he instructed Samuel to go back to bed and told him how to respond if God called again. God called again, and Samuel answered as Eli instructed him. Now we're going to look at, uh, beginning in verse number 11, what the Lord said to Samuel. Verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at the which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin... I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. So God's message to Samuel. He was about to do something in Israel that would bring amazement and shock. And this is very important for us to, to, to kind of hone in on for a second. The Lord was dealing with Eli and Eli's house because of their sin. But he was going to move in such a way, his, his judgment would be swift and it would be serious to where everyone who heard of it would take notice. And there are times that God deals with people in that way. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, smite a scorner and the simple will beware. In other words, there comes a time that God actually makes an example out of someone to cause other people to kind of straighten up a little bit and go, wow, this is serious what we're doing. I, I think of... Um, Acts chapter 5, where Ananias and Sapphira were, uh, had conspired to lie to the church and to the Lord, really, about uh, how much they were giving to God, and, and it was all just really greed and pride and all of that. And when it came to light, I mean, God struck them dead, both of them, and they died on the spot. And the Bible says that everyone who heard that feared. I mean, it just, it just brought about an awareness of the seriousness of what they were dealing with. Have you ever uh, maybe been involved in something that you understand there's some danger involved there, but once you kind of just get into it and you, you become comfortable in it and you kind of uh, lose your uh, cautiousness a little bit, and then you see someone that has, like for instance, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> I ride a motorcycle. Not a lot, but a little bit. I enjoy doing that. I understand that that's a pretty dangerous endeavor. Okay, uh, there, you know, people don't see them. They uh, pull out in front of you. There's traction issues. There's there's deer. There's all kinds of things that could be dangers to a motorcycle rider. Well, that tends to cause me to be pretty alert and aware 
when I'm on my bike, even more so than when I'm behind the wheel of a car. I just, I'm just more aware of that. However, the more that I ride, the more comfortable I become. And then once in a while I'll see, and I, <laughs> YouTube's really good for this, so once in a while I'll see a, a video of someone who just gets, you know, totally T-boned on their bike or wipes out or you know, whatever the case is, and they get, and, and you know what that does? That brings about a fear in me, like, whoa, I need, to, I need to take this seriously because there's some real danger here if I'm not careful. And I think sometimes God does that, even in dealing with people. He'll make an example out of someone to cause us to go, Whoa, I need, I need to recognize that God's not joking. I mean, God is merciful and gracious and loving, but he is also a God to be feared. Uh, and we ought to approach him with reverence and seriousness about what we're doing. And that was what the Lord was going to do uh, with Eli. He was going to make sure that uh, everyone who heard of it would, be, uh, uh, would take note. And so God promised judgment. Uh, God's promised judgment against Eli's house was near. He had been warned, in verse number 13, that his house would be judged uh, for the sins he knew about. For I have told him, verse 13, that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Uh, he was being judged because he knew about the wickedness of his sons, but he did nothing to stop it. No sacrifice or offering would make a difference. And the Lord said that in verse 14, I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. So Samuel lay in bed until morning and he fulfilled his duties of opening the doors of the tabernacle, but he was afraid to talk to Eli about what happened. Let's pick it up in verse 15. Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he hath said, or that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. And so, letter F, Eli called for Samuel. He wanted to know what the Lord had said to Samuel. I'm sure uh, Eli was curious, okay, uh, what is God doing here? What's he, what's he saying? And Samuel told him everything. And what really puzzles me about this is at the end of verse number 18, he said, it is the Lord... Let him do what seemeth him good. Now, okay, he, in fact, the point there, Eli seemed to accept whatever God deemed to be right. There is an essence of which uh, we all ought to be willing to yield to God's will, right? If God says something, even if it's not, even if the outcome's not what I want or what I think is good for me, I need to be willing to accept that. But I think this just highlights, really, Eli's, careless attitude toward anything. Um, he was careless about his sons and their wickedness. I mean, he was kind of complicit in it because he never bothered to put an end to it. Uh, in fact, one of the things that the Lord said is that, that Eli and his sons had made themselves fat with the offerings of the people. 
And so he was complicit in that. He was benefiting from their wickedness too. He wasn't necessarily um, engaging in the wicked and carnal behavior that they were, but he certainly was going along with it because he wouldn't put a stop to it. And then even when the time comes that the Lord says, okay, that's it, you're done, and I'm going to basically kill you and your sons and, and, and your descendants, they're not going to be allowed to minister before me anymore. And rather than, than you know, responding with brokenness, oh, Lord, what have I done? Uh, you know, th this, is, this is terrible, this is tragic. Lord, would you show mercy? He just says, well, I guess if, it's, if that's what God wants... That's okay. And there just seems to be a, a total carelessness in his attitude toward, I think he was just unaware of the seriousness of what he was doing. And I think some of that probably has to do with the fact that they didn't have, again, this was a spiritually dark time. They, they weren't, even, even the people who were busy about the service of the Lord didn't really have a, a relationship with God in a personal way. Uh, they didn't have... Uh, an awareness of the seriousness of what they were doing. And so it was just kind of a, uh, kind of a lackadaisical attitude uh, toward what, what was coming. Um, but number three there, God continued to bless Samuel. And that's where this story is going to take the turn. It's, this is going to start to highlight Samuel now because it says in verse 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So something is, is happening here. The Lord is, is, has really appointed Samuel to be a prophet. In, in a lot of ways, and I think I've mentioned this before, Samuel filled three different roles. Uh, in some ways, he was the last of the judges. Uh, he kind of judged Israel. He was, he was the last leader over Israel before they got a king. And, uh, and so in, in that sense, he was like the last of the judges. And then he also served as a priest in, in some ways, right? He grew up in the tabernacle serving there, but after Eli and his sons were gone, he was the one that was leading in the sacrifices and all of those things. But primarily what Samuel was, was he was a prophet. And, uh, and, and so the Lord now, even though there was no open vision prior to this time, he's now chosen Samuel, and, and he's going to start speaking to him the words that the people of Israel need to hear. And as Samuel's growing... The Bible says that the Lord was with him. Uh, there was a presence. The presence of the Lord was there and real in his life. And friend, I just want to say to you that that really is the difference between someone who is lost and someone who's saved, between someone who uh, is, has uh, the power of God on their life and someone who doesn't. It's his presence. Is the Lord with you? Are you walking daily in his presence? And so Samuel then, because of the presence of the Lord, was being recognized as a prophet. None of his words failed. It says that the Lord didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. Everything that Samuel said, it came to pass. And even as a young man, uh, 
the people of Israel were starting to pick up on this. There's something different about this young man. And what, when he says something, it comes to pass. And we need to take knowledge and take note of that. And, uh, and it says that all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. This, this is geographic in a description, but it's uh, Dan is kind of the northern uh, border and Beersheba down in the southern region. And so in, in our country, we might use a term from, uh, from New York to California. Everyone knew uh, such and such a, a thing. And that's kind of what he's saying. From Dan to Beersheba, all of Israel knew. Uh, that, that Samuel was anointed of the Lord or established to be a prophet of the Lord and the Lord appeared again unto him. And so as Israelites would come to Shiloh to worship, everyone could see that Samuel was being established as a prophet. Once again, God was making himself known in Shiloh, revealing his word to Samuel. God's presence and power had withdrawn because of the sin and corruption, but now he's drawing near to them again. So even in the midst of a spiritually dark time, uh, Israel is starting to pull out of that to some degree because the Lord is speaking again. And so there's some lessons here to consider uh, before we get to our discussion. First of all, our ministry should be unto the Lord. And, and I mentioned at the beginning of the lesson that, that even the, the menial tasks that we do, it is serving the Lord. But I think... Even more than that, we need to always keep in mind when I'm doing something, I'm not doing it just for another person. I'm doing this for God. Uh, I'm not... I, I, one of the things I think we... Sometimes we're looking for recognition. We feel underappreciated. Uh, we wish that people knew what we were doing, and sometimes even want to be out in front of people that our service to the Lord could be seen by other people. And let me just say to you that that really is not an attitude of serving the Lord. That's an attitude of looking for the praise of men. And even if you feel underappreciated and nobody really sees what I do, that really shouldn't matter because the truth is God sees. And if you're serving Him... We shouldn't care about what other people think. Paul said, if, if, if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If, if my desire in serving God is so that others can see me, uh, that's, that's the wrong attitude. I'm, I'm to serve the Lord. I am serving unto the Lord. So if I'm washing a window or scrubbing a toilet or changing a diaper in the nursery or weed eating at the cemetery or passing out a tract or or whatever it is that I do, teaching in the Sunday school class, whatever. It's not for men. Yes, I'm serving people, but it's really not just for those people. It's for Him. And, and I'm, I'm serving the Lord. Secondly, the young should be encouraged to serve the Lord in their youth. I am thrilled as I look at our young people and our youth group and I see a desire and a heart in them to serve the Lord. I am. Uh, you don't see that in every place. And I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing among our young people. Can I encourage you to encourage them to serve the Lord? Encourage them in your words. Encourage them in your prayers. But can I say this also, and I'm not saying this in any way to cut anyone down. We ought to be encouraging them by setting an example. 
we ought to be the ones out in front leading and them following us in the service of the Lord. We can't just sit back and say, well, it's great that the young people have a desire to serve God. Let's see how God's going to use them. No, we ought to be the ones setting the example for them and, and encouraging them in that way. So we ought to be encouraging them to serve the Lord in their youth. Though all of us are strengthened and encouraged by others or by those who serve around us, we should be willing to serve and stand alone. Here Samuel was from a small child. Uh, he was growing up serving the Lord, but in the midst of people that really didn't know what it meant to serve the Lord. I mean, who did he have for an example? Um, Eli, who seemed to be kind of detached from really what was going on, and then Eli's sons, who were wicked and, and self-serving. That was the example he had, and yet he was willing to stand out. He was willing to say, I'm going to serve God regardless of what Eli and his sons do. It may be that one reason more people aren't hearing God's call to service is that lives are so full of busyness and noise. Um, God called Samuel when he was laid down in bed. Um, I know some people struggle with insomnia. That's not a problem I have yet. You can ask my wife. Usually my head hits the pillow and I'm asleep. Drives her crazy because she'll, she'll start to say something and I'm, I'm already gone. If my head's on that pillow, I'm gone. It drives her crazy. What she doesn't know is it drives me crazy. She, she wants to go to bed because she's so tired. Oh, I just can't keep my eyes open. Then we go to bed and she wants to talk. And I'm like, we, we could have talked when we were up. Anyway. That's, that's my little insight into our marital conflicts. No, it's not a conflict. I'm just kidding. But uh, sometimes people struggle. Oh, I can't sleep at night or I wake up in the middle of the night. I'd encourage you, go, go through the Bible and mark every time that God spoke to someone in the night. They couldn't sleep or they had a dream or they're laying down to sleep and the Lord gets a hold of them. Why? In some ways, I think it's just the quietness. You're all alone. You're all to yourself and your thoughts. The busyness of life, the noise of life is set aside and God says, now is my opportunity to speak to you. And uh, so that was when he spoke to Samuel. So a couple of things to consider here. Um... I mentioned a moment ago that sometimes uh, we, we serve the Lord without remembering that our ministry is unto the Lord. It's for Him. Um, do, do you have any idea or reason why you think that might be? Why is it that we lose sight of the fact that we're serving the Lord? I mentioned a moment ago that I, I think sometimes it's the fact that we, we really are trying to serve other people. Uh, sometimes I think we just, especially as, as Westerners, you know, Americans, um, we are very task-oriented. And, and we have this idea of an agenda. I've got to get this done. And sometimes we lose sight of why we're doing that. And uh, we're just doing it because it's a duty and instead of really a, a labor of love. Um, 
What do you think we can learn from the fact that Samuel was actively serving the Lord in the tabernacle before he was called to be a prophet? Do you think there's anything to, to gain from that, that uh, before God ever called him to be a prophet, that he was actively serving? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Willingness to, to serve and follow before you're going to be ready to lead. Anything else? <clears throat> I, would, I would say another, uh, another aspect of that is to remember that God doesn't only use people who have a specific calling on their life. You know, some, sometimes I think people have that idea, well, I'm, I, you know, I don't have a calling. I, I don't believe that God's called me to be a pastor or to be a missionary. So I don't have that calling on my life. No, we all have a calling. We have a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you're saved, you ought to be serving. There's another thing, though, too, about this. There's a lot of aspects we could consider. One of them is this. Um, God often will steer... A person that's already moving. Uh, <clears throat> Abraham's servant said in, in Genesis 24 when he went to look for a wife for Isaac, his testimony was this, I being in the way, the Lord led me. And uh, sometimes we, I think, fail to be led of the Lord because we're not really in the way. And uh, my first car was a car that didn't have power steering. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have driven vehicles with no power steering. <clears throat> one thing you'll know about that is it's a whole lot easier to steer that car once it's moving. Uh, you know, we're used to the, the power steering pump, but from a stop you can turn your wheels real easily. But in a vehicle that doesn't have power steering, all you have is rubber up against the road, and it's tough uh, to turn that wheel. But you just get moving a little bit, and it's a whole lot easier to steer it. And I think it's kind of, that's a, a good illustration uh, for serving the Lord. God's able to lead and direct us where we need to be if we'll just get in the way and get busy. Just get busy serving and he'll lead us in the way that we ought to go. Um, <clears throat> do you think that it's possible for God to be speaking or calling and we would maybe miss that, that it's God, that we wouldn't understand that it's the Lord calling? I mean, Samuel did. Do you think, you think there's anyone that the Lord's working in them and they just kind of don't perceive what, what's really happening there? Yes, Miss Victoria? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true that um, humility has a lot to do with it and <clears throat> a willingness to listen. And, you know, someone who's humble recognizes, man, I need the Lord in every aspect of life. And so we're listening for his voice, you know. Um, whereas sometimes if we, we think we've got things figured out, we're kind of ignoring. Um, 
we'll tell our kids sometimes, oh, I didn't, I didn't hear you calling me. Well, the problem is you weren't listening. <laughs> you know, you were busy doing what you were, but you weren't, you know, I mean, we're trying to teach our kids even from a young age, always have an ear open for mom or dad calling your name. You know, you, you need to be ready. Um, and I think Samuel was, was an example of that. Here am I, here am I, uh, always listening and ready. 